You're listening to the Young Opportunist Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode, we had the privilege of interviewing Michael Bacco, the CEO of Startmate, one of Australia and New Zealand's largest startup accelerators. In short, a startup accelerator is a program designed to support and finance startups in their early stages of development by offering educational resources, mentorship, and funding to help these businesses grow and succeed. We've actually already covered the world of startups back in episode 13 with Michael Bacco, so be sure to check that out. But in this episode, we'll be diving straight into the world of productivity and focus by discussing how Michael's PuddlePod program is solving the problem of continual distraction and lack of focus in the modern age, as well as some simple tips you can implement today to help tackle procrastination and achieve our goals. With Generation Z only being able to focus on one task for 65 seconds on average, this episode could not have come at a better time. Lastly, we dive into work-life balance and how maintaining set work-life boundaries can bring a sense of peace and clarity. We'll explore how this concept can apply to side hustles and passion projects outside of your nine to five and whether it's possible to make major changes without overwhelming ourselves. We want to say a big shout out to Michael for jumping back on the podcast. This guy is super busy and is the CEO of a massive company, but he still makes time for us every time. So with all that said, we hope this episode provides some sort of value for you. So please enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're here with Michael Bacco sitting across the table in the Startmate Blackbird offices. Another pinch me moment for me and Reese. Um, super lucky to be in front of um, Michael and yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much for coming all the way to Melbourne. So we kind of want to focus this episode a lot around productivity. So can you talk us through PuddlePod? When we were preparing for our first interview last year, PuddlePod seemed to be a bit of a small like passion project, um, but it's evolved to something much, much larger with almost over 200 puddlers, I think. Can you talk us through why this is such a big interest for you? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so PuddlePod itself um, was a side project of mine two years ago and still is like, it's kind of like a weekend project. And I kind of started it with, um, because so many people kept hitting me up for like one hour productivity talks. And I kept getting those one hour productivity talks about like Gmail tips and to-do lists, etc. And I just kept saying the same things over and over again. So rather than actually doing that, I wrote it all up and got like 15 people into the first kind of cohort. And I asked them like, is this actually valuable to you? And everybody said like, oh my God, this is incredible. So the next thing to check if something's valuable though is like actually anybody likes anything for free and everybody's going to tell you this is amazing if you get it for free. So the next thing I did was actually start charging for it. And um, even as soon as I started charging for it, people are just like, oh my God, this still has so much value. So now over the last two years, what it's evolved into is um, is a quarterly kind of community and, um, and cohort that comes together of like 20 to 80 people who are just um, upgrading each other on productivity itself. So there's um, actually kind of three components to it or like three options. Like the first one is you can do it as part of a cohort itself of like 20 to 80 people. The second one is you can just sign up and read all of the content in your own time, just doing whatever. And the third one is if you're even too busy to do that, you can just jump on and do, do like a five-day crash course, essentially, where you get an email each day just to get onboarded. Because when we um, interviewed you last year, you had a lot of blog posts and like lots of book reviews. Um and you've been able to manage this puddle pod like site while being the CEO of one of Australia's biggest accelerators, Startmate. It's it's crazy to see like how you've been able to be so active in that and then run your own little like <laughs> not little but side hustle on the side of Startmate. Yeah. Uh like um totally like with uh, the good thing like I love Startmate and it is literally my full-time job and it requires so much like energy and sweat and tears to go into it's like 
Paddlepot itself is definitely a side hustle here where I do it in the evenings and the weekends. And the beauty of Paddlepot itself, I mean, it's a productivity community and that I actually was able to productize it to a certain extent where I actually Mm -hmm. only spend like an hour or two each week on average on it. Sometimes no time at all. Other times actually maybe four or five hours on like a weekend. But the beauty of it is actually like the community itself where um, even the content that's created, like I wrote like... 70-80% 70-80% of it and now the community actually keeps adding content mm-hmm. to it because it's not about the people actually adopting my style or wanting to be like me it's actually more like opening up people's eyes to all the different possibilities and mm-hmm. then actually getting other people's kind of tips and tricks in there as well yeah that's smart in Johan Hari he has a book called Stolen Focus and it says attention is the prerequisite for any meaningful achievement in this book it highlights that on average generation Z can only focus on one task for only 65 seconds. <laughs> and I don't think the millennials are much better with only 3 minutes. So how is PuddlePod solving this problem of continual distraction and lack of focus? So what is the product actually <laughs> do from like a yeah to, to to help the customer? Yeah, totally. Um so PuddlePod itself is like so many people think about productivity and I uh, think like I'll sign up to PuddlePod and I'll give like, I get all of the tips and tricks and tools and all of the shiny little um, things. But at PuddlePod itself is like the first two or three weeks is actually so much around, you've got so many things in your life already and they're probably all great, but let's actually distill it down into what's important and mm-hmm. what actually serves and works for you. And it's kind of like the first two or three weeks. And then in the second um, half, like the week four and five, then you actually go and explore lots of different options. So it's actually so much more about streamlining and simplifying and making, um, reducing the cognitive overhead in your head because we're all so busy and our attention constantly drifts Mm. and so on. So it's actually more about simplification rather than just like introducing another thing into your life. Mm. So one of the, um, specifically to that quote, about attention, what PuddlePod does is especially um, relevant in in the, literally the first week. Um, so we're right now into cohort eight, and last last week was actually week one of this cohort. Um, what you essentially do is um, you write down every single tool that you use, and I ask you questions of just like if it's a work related task, where do you put it? If it's a grocery thing you want to put in, where do you put it? If it's a podcast you want to listen to, where do you put it? And so on. And you probably have like for every single one of the questions, you've got a different tool, a different place. You might mm-hmm. not even have a place. Mm-hmm. And that is all then stored in your mind. And I always say, your mind's actually not there to store things. Your, your mind's there to process things and actually do the thinking because that's what you, it's uniquely good to do. Mm. So literally in the first week, what we do is then take all of that and it makes you realize I actually need to find a place to store information itself and then simplifying it into like one or two places. So specifically to your question of like, how do you then get better at attention and focus is actually the one of every time you've got a thought or you want to capture something, just write it down and then at least you know it's somewhere and you can actually then keep coming back to it rather than having to prioritize and remember everything in your head. Mm. Then it itself helps you so much already on the attention and prioritization. Because that would take so much energy away from like having to store it rather than just using your mind to to concentrate on the most important things. Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, we then store the information, we try to prioritize, we forget it again, we get stressed about forgetting mm. it again. And then like you go into um, the grocery store and you don't remember what you actually need to buy kind of thing. Whereas um, even with book recommendations, it's such a good one. I'm just like, you hear probably 15 uh, different recommendations over the course of the year. But like, how many do you actually remember if you don't write it down? So yeah. true. Like even for me and Reese, like we listen to quite a lot of podcasts um, for enjoyment purposes and like education, as well as like to get better at being a podcaster. And it's been so helpful 
just take it when I hear something in a podcast, just writing it down in my notes. Because like, yes, randomly sometimes when I'm having a conversation with someone, it'll pop into my head, but like that's pretty rare. I've there's been so many times where I'm in the middle of an interview and I pulled up my phone to scroll through my notes <laughs> to find a quote that I wanted to read out. Um, instead of it just being like an annoying thing in the back of my head, like, oh, I've heard this before. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So it's exactly that of like as soon as you um, as soon as you've got like this mental ping of like, oh my God, this is interesting. I want to remember that. You should just like have a place to write it down. Whatever mm. that place is, everybody works differently. Specifically, the podcasts actually. Um, one of my favorite apps is called AIRR, just air. And what you can do is when you listen to the podcast, you just hit the button and it actually saves that snippet in time and it transcribes it for you as well. So you can oh, find those quotes in the future as well. Because exactly that of like you listen to a 30 minute podcast and you just like, you just might remember the gist of it rather than any specific quotes. Yeah, that's a very important tool because, like, our process is just writing in our notes. Yeah. And we always talked about, like, the idea <laughs> of that. Like, how good would it be to bookmark a podcast hmm. and then transcribe or even, like, give it to you in notes later on that you could um, revise it? Particularly so. because you're driving in the car usually, you know, <laughs> like, whip out your phone. Yeah. What are some practical tips people can implement today, I guess? Everyone wants to know that little hack or, or tip and trick that they can apply in their own lives. Obviously, there's so many aspects in our lives that we can use tools or um, any different types of processes to to make us more productive. What tools can they implement today to help tackle their lack of focus and yeah. procrastination? Love it. Um, I'll give you two holistic ones and I'll give you a really specific one as well for any MacBook users. <laughs> um, the two specific, like a holistic ones are like the first one, which I already mentioned, like find the one place you always want to store information, like um, um, whatever that is for you, whether it's Apple Notes or I personally use an, an app called Things on my on my phone where you can store any kind of thing and then triage it. The second thing is actually holistic as well, which is like... Um, so many of us get caught up in productivity and kind of work and, and kind of like just get more and more and more done. But I'd actually like to remember remembering what is the most important thing in your life. And that is actually just so much around your social connections. It is literally your family and friends. And actually stepping back and being like, how much time have you spent with your with your parents, with your fa- with brother, sister, with, with your closest friends, many of you last talked to them. And then actually just, um, this is literally week two of PuddlePod, then consciously figuring out like what are those systems or rhythms that you want to implement to actually stay in touch with them. So practically speaking, um, what I, for example, do is, um, this is, this is maybe a bit weird, so I'm necessarily recommended for everybody, but I write a, um, a monthly email to all of my friends and family, essentially like my closest friends and family. So like maybe like 30, 35 people on that list. And just let you with like an update of like what has happened in my life. It's just an email. It's super simple. I BCC everybody. And um, I know that everybody would do that, but it's actually such a nice way for my closest friends to know what's going on in my life. Mm. Um, Similar to like friends who are maybe just outside of the circle who live in other countries. I literally got like an annual reminder in both of our calendars, which pings us every year. Be like, hey, if you haven't chatted in the last year, you really should. Like you haven't actually talked to each other in like a whole year. Um, And that's the holistic kind of um, advice. And then a really specific one, because I know people love tips and tricks. And um, for any MacBook users out there, I am a huge fan of emojis and I use them pretty much in all my communication. Um, so you can press command, shift and space and an emoji um, toolbar essentially comes up where you can just put in anything. So like that's just <laughs> a super practical tip that you can already start using now. I love that. Because like it's so true that that thing about family. We had an interview just yesterday with Ethan Fleming and he's like probably one of the most motivated people like we've met 
But something he really struggles to be motivated with is like connecting with his like family, like wanting to reach out to his parents, like call his mom. So those like even just like calendar reminders and things like that are so, so useful. And as human beings, we're social beings. And we talked about this yesterday, but it's so important to like have that connection, that ongoing connection, even by like sending out an email and then getting replies. Like it feels good as well, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's such a good little hack. Totally. And um, just on the connection and like um, on, on that part, which you just mentioned there, the other one is as soon as people do something for you, because you ask for so many favors or introductions just throughout your life, um, what you always want to do is actually close the loop then afterwards, just like a month or two or six months later, just like actually being like, hey, this introduction that you offered or this piece of advice, this is the impact that it had on me. And suddenly the person who actually gave it to you feels like so much more Mm. more ready to then ever give you advice and introductions in the future because you know like oh my god the person actually closed the loop back it actually had a lot of value so therefore almost like the social capital between us again like increases so actually a tip or trick i've got for everybody as well like what i do roughly every six months is um whenever i do an introduction or somebody else does an introduction to me i always bcc people out of the email being like hey uh-huh. thanks so much for the introduction um reese like i'm gonna bcc you out of the email hey let's catch up for a coffee kind of thing so what i do every six months is i literally go through my inbox and i just search for the word bcc and then i go through all of the emails where i bcc somebody mm-hmm. out being like hey fyi this coffee i had with this person was amazing this is what actually happened on the back of it because then again like it gives value back to the person and there's so much more likely to then give you introductions or help in the future as well yeah definitely that's a that's a great tip that's mad um i know i know personally for reese and i where very self-aware of the areas in our lives we want to get better in. Particularly like we're in our early 20s, um, 22, we want to figure out and like I guess spend the next eight years by the time we're 30 to like I guess become the best versions of ourselves. And I think it's like that's a, a theme across all of our listeners as well. So much so that we we can want to rush and make large changes and basically like flip our life upside down to want to become better in a certain aspect. This lasts about three days and then, yeah, we go back to like the same <laughs> old habits. There's something powerful, I think, about embracing small changes. Mm. Have you spent much time thinking about this? And is that the solution, like going through small changes, even though you want to eventually make a big impact, like on your own life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It is so much around, like people set themselves those huge goals. Like so often it is around like New Year's resolutions and like you set yourself those massive challenge, which lasts for a week and you just never do it again, right? But um, I always call it, um, I always um, tell my team actually whenever they want to make a change to um, pick the kind of like lowest possible hurdle to jump over mm. to just make it something consistent to make it something that it is actually about the iteration around the, the um, how often you repeat it rather than the size of change itself and once you get used to that then you can jump over a higher hurdle and a higher hurdle so like rather than running a half marathon straight away you actually start with like a smaller run like just even getting out of the house for a walk every day and then you start running for a kilometer every day etc like actually like building up that um the hurdle of of resistance almost like keep it as low as possible and as consistent as possible so no absolutely i actually heard heard an awesome tip from somebody last week where they um actually came on uh, my team running the student fellowship he was saying that um it's all about the micro behaviors so rather than um kind of like doing this big exercise if you're super busy and you can't even dedicate 30 or 60 minutes he called it micro behaviors where like you you um, hook it to an existing behavior of yours and you make 
a new habit out of it. So for him, uh, the great example which he gave me, which was, I loved, was that um, you shower every day, right? So you, every his hook was like, if I shower, I do like um, 20 calf raises or something. And that's like your micro behavior that like you actually just start getting into it and then you yeah. just build on top of that. Or like you get out of bed and the first thing you do is 10 push-ups. That's it. Like that's yeah. a micro behavior. You can just hook to existing behavior. Mm. Uh, it's like, I think I've heard James Clear in Atomic Habit talks about like, habit stacking yeah it's like that exact same thing it's like i was trying to get uh, way more into like journaling and i found it really hard but i figured out a, a bit of a hack so when i'm making my coffee like after i made my coffee i kind of make the idea of journaling like feel nice like so i'll make my coffee and then i'll sit down with my coffee and while i'm drinking i, I can then journal just so like because i'm gonna have a coffee no matter what every single day mm. Because I'm addicted. <laughs> so it makes it easier to want to journal if, yeah. I'm, if I'm just doing that anyway. I love that. And then exactly like that um, coffee making a coffee habit becomes a coffee and journaling habit becomes yeah. a something else habit because it evolves over time and you can stack things on top of each other. Yeah. yeah. It feels more natural and enjoyable. 100%. And I guess like going all out, guns blazing and saying that you're going to journal like every single day, going to going to make it real strict on yourself, I guess it kind of pushes you away and you lose that like passion for it. Mm, totally. In our previous conversation last year, when we had our first interview with you, we asked the question of how we can maintain a uh, work-life balance, but you actually called it and referred to it in your own life as um, work-life boundaries. For someone working like a nine to five, um, but also trying to work on on their side hustle or passion project, how can you manage this in terms of, if you're finishing work, coming home, how, how can you um, create work-life boundaries? Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's the hardest one, especially in the startup industry when you love your job and there's always mm. like a never-ending to-do list and it never becomes a nine-to-five because you always then try to do it earlier and then you try to do later and then you start working weekends and so on. But um, with like work-life boundaries, it's, it's very much the first thing you almost need to do is like introspecting of like when um, – Number one is like what is actually important to you. So similar to our conversation with family and friends, etc. Um, obviously health comes into that as well, exercising and um, and nutrition, etc. Um, and then the other kind of question is um, is almost the one of energy. Like when you when can you almost like jump over the like lowest possible hurdle and with with kind of without exercising a lot of willpower. What I mean by that is almost like um, going to the gym and exercising after a really hard day at work is actually really difficult. You just don't want to drag yourself in the gym after like just getting smashed in like so many meetings, for example. So um, with the work-life boundaries, it's then actually carving out that space, which nobody else can almost encroach on because you made it clear to everybody. And you almost don't actually need to exercise a lot of willpower to get there. So for me personally, for example, um, I realized that after work, it's actually really difficult to do that. I find the motivation or like stop working at a certain hour just to like not do anything else anymore because that is way harder than, for example, for me getting up and doing everything in the morning and then just making it super clear to the, to the roster of the team of like, I don't start work before 9 a.m. And that, that gives you then like those two, three hours of just like, this is my time. I can go exercise. I can meditate. I can do like whatever it is, for example, paddleboard, et cetera. And you almost like create that boundary for yourself. Like, I know this is important to me. I'm going to find the space and the time to actually not have to exercise too much willpower and nobody else can almost like encroach on the time as well. Yeah. I like that. Like the first step of actually making everyone aware, like let's use the example of 
when you're at work nine to five, like making it clear that you have sporting commitments or you're mm. working on something that I guess that first step is telling people what you're interested into and, and how much like passion you have for that. So then people don't encroach in that time. And something that me and Reese were chatting about is it's really hard if you want to, if you're entrepreneurial and passionate about like making it successful in something outside of your nine to five, it's really hard to finish your nine to five. And then yes, you set boundaries, but then you still feel bad if you don't do anything because you're kind of wanting to make it outside of your nine to five. So then when you're relaxing or on your phone, you feel guilty because you, <laughs> you should be working on a side hustle or trying to, you know, like educate yourself or X, Y, Z. So I find that really hard, like personally to, to create boundaries. And it's something probably really freeing about having a nine to five and not like caring about something outside of work because like, yes, then, then you're just, you're protecting your like quiet time or like your, you time. Whereas like when I finished my nine to five and I got my phone for two hours, I feel terrible because I'm like, oh, I'm trying to make it outside of my nine to five. Mm. So I've found that really hard um, and a bit of a dilemma with creating this work-life balance as well as work-life boundaries. Mm, totally. Yeah. So it's an interesting one where like, um, again, like you almost want to like have specific times where um, on the one side you carve out the time for, for example, like, like you time, like exercise, spending mm. time with family, etc., And then you almost like specifically want to carve out time for like, for example, side projects. And specifically the side project conversation, I totally hear it's like so hard to like mm. do a job and then also dedicate the time to like another job or like another side hustle and so on. I I also struggle with that. It gets hard. Then the way um, I got over that was actually when I first started Puddle Pond, I was just like, oh my God, this is like this huge task of like writing down all of my thoughts on productivity into like a coherent way for people to actually get value out of it. I was like, this is almost like too overwhelming. I'm not even going to get started. Like getting started is almost like the hardest thing. Mm. And so the one thing that I did, which was what it actually, what made me then do it was actually um, opened it up to 15 friends. I was just like, hey, do you want to be part of this experiment? I will commit to writing one, um, one kind of like lesson each week for eight weeks. And the 15 of you, because you're here, because I'm committing this to you, you will hold me accountable to writing it by end of day, Sunday, mm-hmm. every Sunday. And then the commitment to somebody else literally made me do it. As painful as it was, every single week I would produce a this blog post essentially by the end of day, Sunday, because I knew 15 people were waiting yeah. for it. And that's a kind of social commitment, for example, the side project, which personally helped me. Stephen Bartlett, um, he's a, one of the biggest business podcasts in the UK. He also does this with um, health and and fitness. He started a WhatsApp group with like his mates and they all talk about like their fitness goals at the start of the year and then hold themselves accountable throughout the year, especially like I know we've struggled with that as well, like not showing up to the gym or whatnot. And then we talked about the idea of, yeah, messaging each other and saying like or messaging a group and saying because there's no better there's no worse feeling than saying sorry guys like <laughs> it's it. i've i haven't i haven't gone to the gym when i said i would yeah <laughs> actually another um, another thing that i do which i can highly recommend is something that was started by nick crocker blackbird um, blackbird partner 
he calls it the the elephants group and actually it connects two themes that we talked about already which is kind of family and friends and this kind of like social pressure to like like work on your goals and then the premise of the elephants group is the one of you find your two or three elephants in your life which are like your best friends from like childhood or like people who you spend the most time with but people who really resonate with you who you want to spend time with but for example you don't get to and you essentially create this group where you then set goals for 10 years, three years, one year across like work, finance, um, health, um, family, etc. And you share them with each other. You just need to be a really open group to like give each other real feedback and support. And then um, as part of that, you actually support each other and check in and hold each other accountable to get to those goals continuously. So every single week, I actually have it with my two best friends where we send each other a Slack update. This is how I'm going against my goals. This is what happened in my life this week. This is what sucked. This is what didn't work out. And then on the one side, it's them supporting me. I'm just like, hey, that's okay. On the other side, it's also them pushing me up just like, hey, what can you do to actually get to your goal? Like, what, why did it drop and stuff? And it's like this beautiful thing of just like actually spending more time with your best friends as well as actually the social pressure to like get and push yourself to get to your goals. I love that. And I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Michael, for, for coming on the show again and inviting us out. It's been an honor to, yeah, spend this time with you this morning and go out for brekkie as well. Before we finish up, I'll, I'll hand over to you. How can people find out more about you, PuddlePod, everything you have going on? Yeah, um, well, jump onto puddlepod.com um, if you are interested in productivity. If you do want to get into startups, jump onto startmate.com. And otherwise, if you ever want to reach out to me, look me up on LinkedIn. Always feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Always open to any chats. And please shout out the um, the student fellowship as well. Yeah, so if you are a student fellow looking for a startup job or even just want to explore what it is like to start a company or join a startup, just jump onto Startman and look for the student fellowship. We get about um, 200, 250 students in the winter and the summer holidays for a three-week program to essentially like expose you to lots and lots of founders and make it very practical and tangible for you to just even explore what the startup world looks like. And I really think like Ben and I really think this is important for you guys, um, the listeners, because just like us, um, maybe you're going down the typical finance commerce um, pathway that has been set by uni going into that corporate world. But please like consider the the startup community and especially like hearing you even talk about it this morning at over Brecky. Um, ben and I just got so excited and it's, it's a very different environment. But if that is something that you're interested in, we will leave the, the link in the show notes because um, it's, it's awesome to check out. Definitely check it out. It's free. It takes two or three weeks in your summer holidays. It's um, worst case scenario. You spend the time of some, uh, with some awesome people. Best case scenario, you actually find a new career path. You can't lose anything. And along the way, you're going to build like incredible networks. 100%. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. If you're listening to the show and haven't hit that follow button, then what are you even doing? And if you want to support the show and make us really happy, could you please press that follow button on your chosen podcast platform? And even a cheeky rating. Please, please, please. (laughs) That way you don't miss out on new episodes and you might even make us blush. With that said, catch you next time.